Ticket stubs and cassette tapes. I'm Andy and I'm your host. Welcome back for another episode of the Ticket Stubs Oktoberfest. Um, I really enjoyed doing the first episode on the Blair Witch Project and uh, the Blair Witch, the direct sequel uh, that came out in 2016. That was a fun episode talking about those two movies. Um, not what I thought I was going to kick the season off with, I'll be honest, but. You know, I just recently, the other day, um, watched The Blair Witch, the 2016 film, um, and I really can't even tell you for what reason. I mean, I've seen it before. I saw it in theaters. I'm not the biggest fan of that movie, but, you know, I kind of just saw something on YouTube, a clip from that movie the other day, and I was like, you know, it's almost Halloween, or, or it's, you know, almost October anyway. It's almost Halloween season, and... That's just, you know, that's a movie I haven't seen since it came out in theaters, so I'm going to watch it. So I rented it, I watched it, um, you know, and then went back and watched the original Blair Witch Project, so I was just kind of in the mood. I was kind of in the mood. I was, you know, geared up and ready to talk about, um, you know, scary movies and, and figured, why not? Let's start there. Let's start with the Blair Witch movie. So... That was a fun episode. Go check that out if you're a fan of those movies. Um, and before we jump into our topic for today, our, our movie for today, um, I want to go ahead and say right off the top, um, you know, check us out on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. Uh, check out our YouTube page, um, Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. You'll find it there. Um, and yeah, check out all of our other reviews. Uh, I really appreciate it. Make sure to leave us a uh, review and a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. That would be much appreciated. All right, let's move into what horror movie we're going to talk about today. And I'm excited for today. This is a classic. This is a classic. Um, We're talking The Exorcist from 1973. Um, You know... It is the most, if not the most, it's like top three most iconic horror movies of all time. Um, you know, this is a, a William Peter Blatty written masterpiece, of course, directed by William Friedkin, um, starring Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, and Linda Blair. It, it is, it's a classic, right? Um, the Exorcist is one of those movies that, you know, just about everybody has seen one at least one time. And for a lot of people, it is only one time because that's about as much as they can handle. Um, and, you know, I kind of want to start off by saying it is amazing how even though 
we're we live in a completely different world today. Um, you know, this is fifty years later now. Um, and even though it's a completely different world than it was for the most part, um, this movie still has an impact when you watch it. And what makes that you know so much more interesting, what makes that even more um, impactful for me is that we are so desensitized to these kinds of movies now, right? Completely different movie world nowadays, right? And we're going to talk about that in just a second, but that's a big topic I want to, I want to discuss when it comes to this movie. Um, you know, I want to start here by saying I'm recording and releasing on October 4th, 2023. Tomorrow night, uh, The Exorcist Believer releases in theaters, and I will be seeing it tomorrow night and reviewing it tomorrow night. So I'll try to have that up on the podcast feed for you. Um, of course, it's going to be a direct sequel to um, to the the Exorcist, the original Exorcist, um, kind of pulling the the Halloween 2018 route, where it's gonna sort of bypass all the other sequels and just become a direct sequel. Um, you know, directed by David, it's, it's going to be directed by David Gordon Green. Excuse me, who. You know, of course, did the the recent Halloween trilogy for Blumhouse. Um, not sure how I feel about it, to be honest. It's a movie that I don't know that I'm incredibly excited for. Um, I am in some regards because, you know, it's a new Exorcist movie. I know that Ellen Burstyn and reportedly Linda Blair are in the movie, even for just short cameos, um, I'm sure, but... Um, you know, given what we got at, you know, towards the end of, you know, the Halloween trilogy, the recent one, um, I don't know how excited I am to see this version of, you know, an Exorcist sequel. So, uh, we'll see, um, you know, I'll save that for that review. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it after the fact, but jumping into the Exorcist from 1973, um, this is... I'm going to say it's sort of in the same camp as The Shining, Jaws, um, Psycho. I mean, when you talk about the upper echelon of of horror movies, I mean, this is up there. This is in that group, right? It's kind of like when you talk about bands, you know. You've got The Beatles, and you've got The Stones, and you've got Led Zeppelin, right? This is this movie's up there in those categories, right? It's up there at the top, um, and it's that way for a reason. And um, you know, I'll kind of <clears throat> start off with what I really like about The Exorcist and and why it's such a, a you know an impactful movie and why it works so well um, for me. Anyway, this is just an opinion, even though it's a pretty highly shared opinion. Um, this movie works because it's not attempting to be a a big, super, you know, over-the-top horror movie. It is, in a way, obviously, if you've seen it, but, um, this movie is a slow burn. It's a character study, 
And when you go back and look at movies from this time period, whether it be The Shining, which of course is based off of you know a Stephen King novel, or if you watch Jaws, or you know those movies that I just mentioned, a lot of those movies, including this one, they're character studies, and that's one reason why they work so effectively. The characters aren't cheapened to to give you a bunch of random jump scares or over-the-top special effects or practical effects or whatever. You know, at the center of the story are the characters. And this movie is no shortage of that. It, You know, the character, uh, or the characters, the main characters in this movie, uh, when you're talking about uh, Chris and Reagan and, you know, uh, even going down the list, I mean... Uh, Father Marin, um, you know, the, the, these are characters that the movie spends time with, right? Uh, Father Karras, I mean, these are, these are characters that you spend time with, you get to know them. The movie isn't, you know, five minutes of, you know, everything's okay, and then, you know, the rest of the, the, you know, the other next hour and a half of the movie is, you know, jump scares and uh, demons and witches and all. I mean, it's not that. It's it's a it's a slow burn character study. And <clears throat> one thing that when I watch this movie that really stands out to me today, when you compare it to the modern horror movie and especially the modern, uh, you know, like demonic horror possession, um, those type of movies, which are a dime a dozen now, right? The Exorcist kind of opened a door that really hasn't been closed with the demonic possession movies. Um, But the thing that stands out so much about this one is, you know, there's not a lot of quick camera work. There's not a lot of um, look at this effect. There's not a lot of um, I'm going to try to get your attention right here so that when the camera turns back here, I'm going to jump out and make a loud noise. That's not what this movie does. And, you know, that's, unfortunately, when you talk about, you know, movies like The Conjuring Universe or The Insidious Universe or, you know, all of, you know, the modern-day demonic possession movies, they rely so heavily on preying on your senses, right? And what I mean by that is, they try to get your attention here, and then all of a sudden they're going to jump out and make loud noises, and loud noises here, and loud noises there, and this is this is how we think you want to be scared. With this movie, there's none of that. It, it's creepy, and that to me is always the most unsettling. You know, we talked about. Um, I mean, it's almost the exact same conversation I just had when talking about the Blair Witch uh, direct sequel the 2016 movie, right? And the thing that it it didn't seem to understand when it came to the original Blair Witch Project. A lot of times, it's what you don't see that scares you. And in this movie, that's not really, you know, a factor because you do see, obviously, Reagan as she's possessed and you do see the demon some and um, you know, Pazuzu, and you, and you know, you see all that stuff. So it's not really that case. But in this movie, <clears throat> the the camera likes to linger 
on certain shots. It likes to draw these scenes out and they, they just get more uncomfortable and more uncomfortable. And you find yourself <clears throat> sitting there and you're not kind of preparing your, your mind or your body for a jump scare, which is what we do now if we go to a theater and see a scary movie. We're just kind of all sitting there waiting for the next jump scare. And that's not what a movie like this does. You're sitting there and you're just uncomfortable and it's growing and you're and you're you continue to be uncomfortable and you're on the edge of your seat and you want you want to see what happens next. And the whole time the the movie is just kind of poking and prodding you and making you more uncomfortable with what you're seeing on screen or what you're hearing or what you're experiencing through characters. And that is what really sets The Exorcist apart. Um, even today, from all of the other movies that you could really consider to be a part of this subgenre, right, with the, the de demonic possession and things like that, um, that's what really sets it apart. I think that a few movies over the, you know, the last five decades have, you know, some of them have taken that formula a little bit more than others, and and you know, it seems to work in a way for them, but for the most part, you know. When you think about movies like this, especially me, you know, movies that have been made in the last 20 years that are a part of the same kind of subgenre, it's just a totally different type of movie, right? I mean, like I said, it's, it's kind of cheat scares. And, you know, 40, 50 years ago, movies weren't really made like that. And that's why I think that they're far more effective in general than what you get today. And that's what really worries me about. The new movie, even though, you know, I haven't seen it yet, that's one thing that kind of worries me based on trailers in The Exorcist Believer is that it seems like it's going to rely heavily on jump scares, but come back this weekend and I'll have my review up for that movie <clears throat> and, uh, and, and, you know, you'll be able to hear my thoughts on that and, you know, how that turned out uh, in my opinion. And you'll have to excuse me here, folks. I, <clears throat> I just got through <laughs> exercising and um, doing my exercise for the night. And uh, and so I'm kind of, you know, sat right down to do a podcast right after while I was, you know, geared up and ready to go. And I'm still struggling to catch my breath here. So <laughs> um, you'll just have to excuse me for that. Um, let's see here. Let's dive a little bit deeper into The Exorcist. So, um, the time period in which this movie came out in, and that's something that is so important when you talk about The Exorcist. 1973. Um, this was not an era, not a time period, in which you would expect to see a movie like this, right? And that's one thing that I think for... Uh, newer audiences is so jarring, right? When they view this movie, you know, I, I've known people who, you know, within the last two or three years have seen the exorcist for the first time and they're really thrown off guard because you hear the exorcist and people know it's an older movie. People know the time period it came out in. And a lot of these same, same people have seen, you know, the newer demonic possession movies of the last 20 years, like I talked about, and that's what they expect that kind of, you know, a movie to be like. 
Um, and they know that's probably not what this is like being older. So I think that a lot of people who haven't seen this movie and go into it nowadays think that it's going to be kind of mild tempered compared to what they've seen. And then they watch it and they're like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> like that was extremely unsettling to watch. And, um, again, that's the impact that this movie has. I can only imagine, and some of you, you know, out there listening may have had the the opportunity, but I can only imagine going to a movie theater in 1973 and sitting down and watching this movie. I mean, you know, that would have, you know, been mind-blowing at the time, right? Because there was just nothing like this out there, nothing. And, um, and so, you know, that really has boosted the movie quite a bit as well over the years, you know, just standing out so much in its time. But again, it would be one thing if this movie worked within its time period, but maybe is not as effective today, but it's almost more effective today because of the kinds of movies that it has influenced that are nothing like it and still can't touch it. And, and I think that that, you know, speaks volumes about what William Friedkin was able to pull off, you know, and, um, and what these, these actors and actresses were able to pull off. Um, that speaks, you know, quite a bit, uh, strongly for them. This movie actually did win two Oscars when you're talking about horror movies. That's just something you don't ever hear about, you know, a horror movie winning Oscars. Um, this movie did. Um, and I think it was like, it was nominated for something like 19. I mean, it was insane. Um, again, you just don't see that much, you know, when it comes to, to horror films, you don't, you don't really see that much, but, um, you know, again, that just speaks to the, the kind of power this movie has. Um, I'm actually trying to find... Um, how much this movie was made for. So it was made on an $11 million budget um, and grossed about $441 million worldwide. So again, it's just another one of those movies like we've talked about before that um, the, you know, the cost of, of uh, production versus the profit that it was made is extremely high. Um, but you know, I mean, again, we just talked about that with the Blair Witch Project. You, you, with horror movies, you tend to see that some of the best ones are like that, you know, made cheap and, you know, make millions upon millions of dollars at the box office. Let's look at some factoids from the movie. Um, um, you know, I'd always heard about the impact, uh, that Linda Blair's acting had in the movie. And, um, you know, I know that like on the, you know, on the first day of shooting, uh, like the exorcism sequence, you know, her, Linda Blair's acting acts, you know, actually like stunned Max von Sydow to a point where he like forgot his lines. I mean, and there's several little factoids about this movie, um, you know, like that, where it's just, you could you could even see during the making of this movie what what it was going to be um yeah but 
one thing that I really like about this movie, and, and this kind of harkens back to what I was saying earlier, is, you know, there are subliminal shots of uh, the white-faced demon, demon, excuse me, Pazuzu, um, in the movie, um, and, you know, you see those flashes from, from time to time. Again, in the modern-day kind of version of this movie, <clears throat> those would be great opportunities for jump scares, at least in the eyes of, you know, directors who would make those kind of movies. Um, and that's not what this movie uses them like. It's it's very subtle. It's very quick. There are no there's no sound behind it, and it's just again it adds to that uncomfortable feeling that the movie gives you. Well, the white faced demon, again, otherwise, <clears throat> excuse me, known as Pazuzu. Um, those are actually like rejected makeup tests for, for Reagan's makeup. So, you know, that's kind of interesting, um, when you're talking about, uh, you know, what, what she could have looked like. And by the way, that's another huge thing, um, about this movie is how well the practical effects, uh, look and how well that holds up. And, and again, just adding to the overall creepiness of the movie, um, Jack Nicholson was actually up for the part of Father Karras, which would have been, it would have been extremely interesting. Um, I think Jason Miller ended up, you know, doing such a fantastic job, though, that, you know, it's hard to imagine anyone else playing that role. But, you know, that would have been an interesting take on the character with, with Jack Nicholson. All in all, I would have to say that you know, in today's day and age, it would be so easy to, you know, kind of shove the exorcist in a, you know, a box with all of the other movies that maybe it has helped spawn or influence, but you can't really do that with the exorcist. It 50 years later, it stands alone, you know, at the top of, of that subgenre. It is still as impactful today as it was in 1973. I don't think that we'll ever, you know, see a movie that uh, really captivated or stunned audiences quite like uh, that this movie did. And, um, you know, good luck to anyone who tries to create, you know, a masterpiece like The Exorcist. Um, you know, I don't know if you could call it lightning in a bottle, but, uh, you know, they don't make movies like this anymore. You know, these movies, which are, you know, true character studies and, you know, everything that happens in the movie is almost taking a backseat to the fact that it is a, such a strong character study. Um, these kind of horror movies are just not made anymore. And hopefully we can find our way back to that at some point, but, um, you know, We've gone a long time without a movie like this being made, so who knows that that's even possible. Um, but make sure to check back on the podcast. I will cover The Exorcist Believer. We'll talk about that, and I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to continuing um, you know, the Ticket Stubs Oktoberfest with you, so make sure to check back in with us uh, later this week. All right, uh, for now, that's all for me. I'm Andy, and I'm your host, and we'll catch you next time.